This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Tech Guide episode 484. Hello and welcome to the show. Thanks for listening once again. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we're coming to you from the US. We've finished at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. I'm now in Los Angeles, so I'll explain why later. And the show's just wound up, and we saw the latest tech will be that we'll be seeing in 2022 and beyond. We'll take you through the show's biggest announcements and some of the quirkiest gadgets that we found as well. We're dedicating this whole episode to the amazing tech we discovered in Las Vegas, including the latest TVs and soundbars, health and wellness devices, and products that can prevent you from getting COVID and even tell you if you have the virus within seconds. And we'll also answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, I think we'll start the show off with a bit of an introduction about CES. It was uh, CES, but not as we know it. It was a totally different show, and that's all, of course, thanks to COVID. Uh, the, the show wasn't obviously as big as it usually is. I've been I've been going to to to, to CES for this is this is my seventeenth CES and every year it's massive. It's it's normally hundreds of thousands of attendees, more than four thousand exhibitors, media from around the world, uh, retailers, buyers, all, all of the everyone converging on on Las Vegas. It's it's very much a shoulder-to-shoulder crowded event. And, of course, this year, the CTA, the Consumer Technology Association, decided months ago that they would be holding the show, that there would be an in-person event. There was a virtual element to it as well, so that for people who decided to stay away, they could still enjoy the benefits of CES. But uh, on the ground, it was a totally different type of CES and certainly – one of the quietest ones or the quietest one I've ever seen. The The crowds were way down. It, there was a lot of uh, lot of space to move around, which was good because uh, social distancing is what they're encouraging us to do. The There was a lot of empty exhibition space as well. Normally, every square inch of the central hall, the south hall, the north hall is covered by, is filled with exhibitors. Normally, there there is big companies, Samsung this year, they had, they had, it was like business as usual for Samsung. Samsung, they had their normally, they normally have the biggest booth at CES. And again, this year, they, they really didn't have any other competitors. Others were there, but they had more of a, it was a, a pull, pull back kind of booth. It was very, it was quite bare. Like Sony's booth, for example, didn't have any of their TVs, did hardly had any of their products had the PlayStation 5 in a few different colours and had their concept electric car that was there two years ago. Uh, apart from that, they had a drone as well that they announced a year and a half ago, two years ago as well. LG, though, they that was interesting what they decided to do because LG normally put on a bit of a show for for their booth. And, and by that, I mean they normally have a huge exhibit of OLED panels and they form them into waves and shapes. And it's normally an attraction. People come and film it and take their photos with it. And then it, that opens up onto their booth 
and all of their products are all laid out and, and beautifully designed and, and so that you can walk through the booth and see all the products. Uh, LG this year, I think, were, must have been a late decision to pull out of CES because they had a booth, but it was it was just f- wooden wooden floor coverings. Uh, they had QR codes on signs, so I think it was a really late decision to to have some kind of presence at CES, and it was uh, it was really not not nothing like we've expected we've experienced in the past, unfortunately. So uh, that was their decision. High Sense was there as well. They had their they had the stand business as usual for them as well. So the four big TV companies, two of them were kind of involved. The other two, it was carry on like it's a normal show. And uh, I think that those two companies probably benefited the most because we could see their product. We could see the TVs, the short throw projectors. We could see the the the, the products that they announced at, at, at CES. So uh, I think that their decision to to go ahead was paid off. And you got to remember the, the show, which was announced months and months ago before this Omicron outbreak of COVID, so there were a lot of late withdrawals, and some of the, some big companies in that as well, including Lenovo, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Mercedes Benz, just to name a few, and not to mention many members of the media, retailers, analysts, smaller exhibitors. So they they made the decision to stay away. Now I know for a lot of people. Well, especially employees of companies. So normally at CES, LG, Samsung, Hisense, they have their Australian representatives there as well. So they're normally we meet them at the show, we they give us a booth tour, and it, it's we meet we talk about their new product. So it's we have a, a, a point person, if you like, Australian point person to speak to from each of these companies. But none of those, no Australian reps from companies came out, none of the major companies anyway. So uh, it was completely different this year. So I think the just just to, to the start of the, 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 the to start the year with a show like this and the decisions by some people especially some members of the press like I'm an independent journalist so I'm an, in, I'm an independent website I made the decision I was going to see yes months ago as did a few other people including my Trevor Long who's my my co-host on two blokes talking tech we were two of the only tech journalists Australian tech journalists that were on the ground and so that was our decision to go. Uh, there were other journalists who normally attend from major media companies who decided, well, no, you're not going to go. Uh, they also decide there were, there were also there's normally TV journalists that travel as well for people from seven and nine and and they're there to produce packages. And I've often commented for them uh, on camera to, as their expert to talk about some of the products as well. None of them were there either. And I think that was a decision that was not made by them, but by their companies. So there's that. Now, this show is not just about media looking at new products. It's about me. It's about companies meeting with retailers and doing the deals for the products we see in stores. And for the last for last year, which was a virtual show, they still managed to get that job done. They managed to make the deals. It was virtual, but not not quite the same. But uh, they still managed to do the job and achieve their objectives. Uh, I think from now on, though, we're going to see. The, my question is: Will this continue as as big an event as it was in the past? And it's funny because this year, the the West Hall. So there's a brand new hall that opened up 
at the Las Vegas Convention Center, massive hall. Uh, so here we have a situation where it's the big, it's the most exhibition space ever offered at CES or available for CES, yet the least number of attendees uh, at the show. So it's a bit ironic that they had all this more space than ever, but less people than ever. So uh, I don't know how it's going to work out next year. Whether people are going to continue to think, think, well, why should I spend tens of thousands of dollars getting to Vegas when I can still do my job over the phone? And will companies decide to continue to attend? I think companies will. Not sure if, if retailers and, and and other attendees. Even media from around the world, are they going to go? Is it is it really necessary? My prediction is it will return. I think CES 2023 is going to be back and probably not as big as normal, but way bigger than it was this year. I think the numbers were down, I think, about 50%, if 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 not less. I think there, there might have been like 40% attendees there this time. There's a lot of open space. Check out my story on Tech Guide. I'll put some comparison photos up, roughly taken around the same time and in the same places in, in different years. You see the difference in the crowds. You see all this empty open space in the Central Hall and the West Hall. Uh, and it's just not something we normally see. One thing caught my eye, though, was really interesting. There was at one of the entrances of the central hall, there was this box, and I never saw – this was the only one I saw. I didn't see many others. It was a box of stickers, and there were green, yellow, and red round stickers that you could place on your badge. Now, this was an attempt to give people – some sort of sense of how they would like to be greeted. So green, if you were wearing a green sticker, it says it means I'm okay with handshakes. If you're wearing a yellow sticker, it's, it means I'm okay with elbow and fist bumps. And if you're wearing a red sticker, that means don't touch me, but I'm happy just waving hello. And there was a whole bunch of masks as well. Speaking of the mask, that was mandatory. You had to be wearing a mask indoors at all times, and you also to to uh, to register for the show, whether you're an exhibitor, media, or whoever, you also had to be fully vaccinated, produce your vaccination certificate upon arrival, and uh, that that was you had to show all those things before they even handed over your badge. They also gave people rapid test kits so they could just keep an eye on themselves. I think this was a bit of an honour system. There was no need to produce a negative test every day of the show, but I think what they were telling people was to keep an eye on symptoms. If you're feeling sick, if you've got any of these symptoms, stay away, take the test just to keep everybody safe. So for me personally, I'm feeling fine. I did, There was no need to take a test. I will need to take a test before I leave the US. I'm actually in... California now. I'm in um, Anaheim. I'm going to Disneyland, and I've been today. I went to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge again, but that's a story for another day. Uh, fantastic day. Uh, the, by the way, if you follow me on Instagram, check out my uh, find my photos and uh, and my videos. But uh, I'm here till the 13th of January, so I'll need to take a test the day before and make sure I get the results. So the rule is you have to be, have a test. 72 hours before leaving the US, you have to test negative. And so my test is due, is going to be first thing Wednesday morning, and I'm leaving Thursday night. I've paid a bit extra. I paid 299 US dollars to get the test and to guarantee a result within two hours. So uh, 
I'll know if I'm getting on the plane Thursday night or if I'm staying till early next week. But uh, I'm feeling fine. I don't think if I've got it, I would. I don't even know I've got it. But uh, I, I've done. I tested negative before I left Australia. Feeling fine. There was no real reason for me to test myself. I, I don't have any symptoms. But I will be relying on that test being negative in the coming days. But let's get into the show. Well, let's talk about all the great product that we saw. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Right, let's start off with, I think TVs to me has been kind of the the bread and butter product for CES. It's always been where all the major companies, Samsung, Sony, LG, and Hisense all produce and announce their big their big TV announcement. So the, the next the version 2022 of their range normally makes its debut at CES. And this year was no different. Uh, it was it was uh, interesting to see how all the different TV manufacturers have they're kind of going down their own technology paths. Like yes, yes, they have some in common. Like they all have, like LG and Samsung and Hisense all have ULED to quantum dot TVs. Let's call them. Samsung calls it Neo QLED. LG calls it NanoCell. Hisense calls it ULED. But they're basically all quantum dot technology TV. So they're all pretty much similar. But Samsung has well, they've got their Neo QLED, which is which was remarkable, the incredible quality. They, they've somehow made it better. They've got this new uh, processor on board that has a few features to improve improve picture quality uh, through their their mini LED backlighting. And so one one of the technologies they have is shape adaptive lighting. So it can it examine the TV examines what's on the screen and then makes a call on how it should look and how it should render so that it looks accurate. So you, you're th- what you're seeing is true to life. So uh, th- that, that's, that's the, the, the Neo processor doing all the heavy lifting there. They've also got a depth enhancer. So when, when you're looking, very, very hard to appreciate this feature unless you're standing in, in front of the television. When, you, when there's a scene with like, it might, might be like a landscape scene or something like that, the TV has the has the power to strip down all the layers and make it as if you're looking further into the image. It's it's something you really need to appreciate if you're standing in front of it. And I did, and it's actually quite remarkable. The other the other thing that Samsung had, actually Samsung had two other things. Firstly, micro LED. Now, micro LED years ago used to be called the wall. So this was like a modular system that used these mini backlights. And over the years, it's improved so much. That they're now bringing it into to smaller under sizes under 100 inches, and the big sizes are something, of course, customers looking at. So micro LED is actually would would in in my eye anyway looked a bit brighter than Neo QLED, and because it has apparently it has the the pixels the the mini the micro LED lighting is so small microscopic, and yet it has an RGB pixel on each light. So it appears more brighter. I saw the Neo QLED next to the micro LED, and it looked noticeably brighter than a than a Neo QLED. I, 
don't know the pricing of micro LED because they're going to be offered in, in really big sizes. Like we're talking 96 inches, 99 inches. So they're going to be really big and likely to be really expensive. But Samsung, big tick. The last thing I want to talk about Samsung is their and this is, I think, probably one of the one of the products of the show, and that's their freestyle projector. This is a projector that's it's 1080p can project an image up to 100 inches from 2.7 meters away, and it looks like a lamp. When I first saw it, I said, "Is that a projector? It looks like a lamp." So it's this cylindrical body that can swivel through 180 degrees on its stand. So that means you can just flick it up on the wall or on the ceiling. And the beauty of this system is it has auto keystone correction and auto leveling. So all you need to do is aim it at the wall and it'll adjust itself to be square instantly. So no need to fiddle around with the settings. It also has a, it's got Bluetooth on board so you can pair your smartphone to the device and you can then replicate what's on your phone. Also has a mini LE, a mini HDMI connection, so you can also uh, connect it to your source, whether it's a, a Blu-ray player or, or a uh, or a, a console, gaming console. So you can enjoy that as well. And it's got the full ties and operating system as well. So everything you'd see in a TV, they've shrunk it down to this projector. It's fourteen hundred and ninety-nine bucks, so one thousand four ninety-nine. It's going to be available for pre-order on January 17, and it'll go on sale in February. So keep an eye on that. Now let's let's move over to LG. LG again, and naturally this is their strength. They uh, they went they went pretty hard on their OLED TV releases, which is uh, no surprise uh, because that's what they do best. They, they their flagship OLED TVs are still considered the best TVs on the market. Uh, OLED doesn't have a backlight, so it produces these stunning blacks. Uh, and terrific color as well. And what what LG has done, they've taken the they've got the new G2 series, which will feature the new OLED Evo panel. So this is more improved brightness, better clarity, better detail. And uh, they're really just taking that all the way. They've their TVs have been certified actually to be to, to be one hundred percent color fidelity, one hundred percent color volume. So. Uh, if, if you are fussy about your picture quality, LG can meet your standards. They've also stuck with filmmaker mode so that you've, you know, if you're a film buff, you can watch movies as they're intended to be watched without the artificial motion smoothing and other enhancements that films, film aficionados don't like that sort of false, it's like sort of photoshopping a film. They prefer it to be at how, how it appears, a film-like. Um, also, LG's TVs are powered by the A9 Gen 5 intelligent processor as well. So really impressive there. And again, they've, they've also got a range of nanocell TVs. They do also have these live features as well. Like they've got your TV, sort of the role of your TV is changing. Your TV is now going to be able to connect you to live concerts and have fitness instructions. So that's what LG is adding, this new dimension to their TVs in 2022. Uh, there's even a dance home dance app as well. So you can, so you can test out your moves there, uh, watch live concerts and all of that. So I think it's good to see that they're they're thinking outside the square a little bit here. Um, now let's move on to high sense. Remember, I was talking about how the companies are really they're kind of pursuing their own specialty tech. Samsung, we talked about already. Neo QLED, Micro LED, LG OLED. Hisense, their laser TV, they've, they've just announced their 120-inch Trichroma laser cinema. Now, this is a laser TV, 
In other words, it's a short throw projector, uh, just so that it, it, you understand what laser TV means in, in high sense speak. Um, so this sits a few inches from the wall, where your TV would normally sit on an entertainment unit, but beams up an image of up to 120 inches onto a proprietary screen that's included. So you get the screen with the with the projector, and, and it's it's got this special material uh, so that it, it it can resist being washed out by light. So it's got uh, it it has these ridges built in so that it can avoid, if even in bright sunlight, you can still maintain it. Sort of it's got the ambient light rejection screen. So even the quality and brightness of the image can still be consistent even in a bright room. And I've seen this with my own eyes. It was it was really impressive. Uh, and the, the unit also has Dolby Atmos, surround sound, has the Vita operating system. So it's like having a high-sense TV, but it's shrunk down into a box and the picture's beamed up onto a wall. Uh, and again, big screens are appealing to people, 120 inches, and probably they're going to offer 120 inches around the same price as other companies are going to offer 85 or 95-inch TVs. So it's something to keep in mind there as well. Sony, lastly, on the TV front, they, like I said, they weren't at, they were there, but none of the TVs they announced, the new Bravia TVs, none of them were there. I would have loved to have seen them. Their Bravia TV range, the Bravia XR TVs, uh, again, have XR backlight master drive, so really precision control of the mini LED backlights. There's even some OLED models as well. There's mini LED and OLED models. All looked terrific in, in in the pictures, but there were none at the show. What was an interesting announcement, though, was a little product they called the Bravia Cam. Now, the this is a camera that is used to to know how many people are sitting in the room and to optimize the sound and video for those people. So it'll know where to throw the sound, where the people are situated, and just opt optimise the viewing conditions. The camera can also be used for gesture control uh, and other, other little things you can do, but I, I found that really interesting how a camera is going to find out where people are sitting in the room. The TV Roundup, you can see all of those separate stories at techguide.com.au. Now we're going to talk about some soundbars now, and I've got to say, the 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 Samsung Samsung and Hisense both had some pretty interesting soundbars. Uh, let's start with Hisense. They had their soundbar. This is a soundbar that is it has Dolby Atmos on board. It's the U5120G Dolby Atmos soundbar. Includes a subwoofer. And uh, for that that price is seven ninety nine. It's going to have Dolby Atmos on board. So there are twelve speakers built into the sound bar. Some of them up firing to provide the sound from above for Dolby Atmos, and the side firing speakers simulate that wider sound stage, so you can hear surround sound a little bit better. It is also available uh, with. It comes with a subwoofer, but you can expand it to have rear speakers. Not everyone wants rear speakers. I think it's a really good decision where high sense say, you know what. Buy this now, and if you want to make this expand it, then buy the rear speakers separately so you're not sort of locked into them. People might like it without the rear speakers, but um, I think what they've done, they've kept the cost down, 799 so you're getting a pretty good pretty good, uh, in, a pretty good, experience, an audio experience there. But what they've done is given you the option of, uh, of, of upgrading later. So uh, 
sound, I think, is something that, that companies like Hisense and Samsung, all, all the major companies are recognising the fact that there are the, the whole experience isn't just about good picture quality. I think George Lucas once famously said, sound is half the experience. So uh, I think that the having having a great TV, flat screen TV, but crappy sound, you know it's not going to sound. You know it's not going to be a good experience. Samsung had a couple of their sound bars as well. The first was a was an ultra slim sound bar. So this was a sound bar. So the the previous one of the previous models they had that next to it, and the the mini sound bar was only three point six centimeters deep so it was really thin just to, to sit on the wall it's also wireless as well and it can provide dolby atmos wirelessly somehow it comes with a subwoofer as well and it was i heard a demo and i'm thinking are you, are you sure it's coming out of that little thing and the sound was incredible now in the next next to that uh, in the next little section they also had their flagship, which is the 990 soundbar, and it had, I think it's 11.4.2, I could be wrong, but multiple channels, but it also has Q-Symphony. So the soundbar was just out of, out of sight, so incredible sound on its own. So rear speakers, the whole bit. But with a Samsung, when you have the Samsung Q, the the, the TV, the soundbar with the, with the Neo Killer D TV, there is a feature called Q Symphony. So the speakers in the TV also are used in conjunction with the speakers in the soundbar. And what you get is this just incredible sound. And the, the so not only are you hearing sound from the screen, but also hearing all the rear speakers and all the side and the Atmos, and it's just truly atmospheric. Uh, we heard a great demo of this new soundbar, and if you if you are going to invest in a new Samsung TV, then you surely have to invest in a soundbar as well. Spend another couple of thousand, or probably won't be that much and invest in this thing because it is a, provides a tremendous, complete entertainment experience. Like I said, audio, video, working together harmoniously, that's what you want. We want that experience. So, uh, yeah, really, really interesting how uh, the sound has really improved. Love how the, they've included uh, Dolby Atmos kind of seems to be the norm now. Uh, so uh, really, really cool, really cool that they've done that. Anyway, if you want to read more about that, check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, there were a lot of products at the show and products inspired by the times we're living in. Uh, And by that, I mean COVID. So that was kind of a theme there for several of the products we saw. And products that can not only protect you from COVID, but also detect COVID as well. Now, there were three products that we saw in particular. The first was a mask. And this mask is called Air Jom. So I think it's from a French company. And this mask looked like it was it was like a, an air purifier for your face. It was a powered mask. So there's a little battery pack you wear on your belt. Uh, it has an active filter on board and has a UV filter as well. So just imagine like an air purifier you might have in your room 
shrunken down so that it's included inside a mask. And this is a mask, apparently, the company says, look, this wasn't something we just dreamt up during COVID. Apparently, this has been five or six years in development. And they said that it's just a coincidence that COVID came along, really played into their business model. And uh, and now they're saying that they can, that the, the filter is capable, uh, it's 99.94% can filter out COVID, so kind of guarantees you're not going to get COVID if you are wearing this mask. But initially, it was developed to provide protection against viruses, which happens to be COVID now, bacteria, but also pollutants like nitrogen monoxide, toluene, benzene, other common pollutants. So Air Jom is kind of, it it looks a bit bigger than a normal mask, but you know what? Uh, If you need to wear wear a bigger mask and guarantee you're not going to get COVID, then that's something that a lot of people would be interested in. Now, the next thing we saw, another interesting development here, and you think about how do people stay COVID safe? What we do is we, you have a, a restaurant, like I said, there was a restaurant we set up, so no contact with other people is one. Now, what this South Korean company, Storant, has come up with is this autonomous restaurant that uses COVID-safe technology. Now, first of all, it is there's two parts to this. First part is a server. So imagine a robot with three shelves on it that will come to your table with your food. Then you just take it off the shelf, put it on your table, and off it goes. And it takes the right. You can distinguish between different drinks and everything and make sure the order's right. But the table that you're sitting at, this company also produced an antivirus table. And what that includes is it has this airflow. So you, you the it uses ventilation to minimize the droplets. You know, when people speak, um, these droplets that escape into the air, that's how people pass on viruses and COVID in this case. So there's this added ventilation that will minimize the droplets that might escape while you're talking. But also there's air sterilization and purification going on at the same time. So when you sit at the table and there's a picture and a video on Tech Guide, a lot of the stuff we did, we, uh, we videoed as well. So check out our YouTube channel and also check us out on TikTok. We're on TikTok. So make sure you follow us. And we shared a lot of the reels on Instagram as well. So a lot of video content we produced this year. You can see in this video though, when you're sitting at the table, there, there are like cracks in the table with air blowing upwards out of them. So that, that's helping with that ventilation. They also use sterilization. So they use hydrogen water to sterilize everything, table, the server, the whole lot. And that destroys a cell membrane of the COVID membrane, the cell membrane of the COVID bacteria on contact apparently. So uh, being COVID safe, really important. The last one in this, in this uh, the COVID theme we've got here is a product called Freedom. Now, this is basically a breathalyzer that can detect COVID in five seconds. So it looks like, so what you do, one big breath into, into the device. The device looks like uh, looks like a gun. There's a handle and a, and a barrel, and the, and the, breathe, the, the part that goes on your mouth is on the end of it, um, and you just sort of breathe into it like you would having a, a breath test either side of the road. And within five seconds, there'll be either a red light, which means you've got COVID, a green light, which means you might have the flu, and a and sorry, no, the red light is is COVID, amber light is is flu, green light means you're fine. That, that means you have nothing. So 
This is a company that has the company's called um, the anti anti Virawarn is the is the name of the division of the company, and Virawarn has created this product called Freedom, but it's based on a a room like a room product, and by that I mean like a it sort of looks like the size of a about the size of a about half the size of a microwave oven. And these have already been deployed, apparently, in high-end hotels. So you can tell at a glance that the room is COVID-free. There's a little display appears on it. These are all on our video if you want to check it out. It says, yeah, room, COVID-free, room is safe. So imagine you walk into a hotel room. There's this thing in the corner telling you, no COVID here. So it's, it's detected it. it. It's not detecting it. So what Viralwarn has done is, is shrunk that technology into a handheld device that you can take with you anywhere. So you can, in an instant, tell whether you got COVID. Now, the the head of Viralwarn is a, is a guy named Conrad Bessemer, and we spoke to him at the show, and he was telling us about how I said, how did how can you detect it so quickly? And he was saying that COVID enters your, our body through our nose or in our mouth, and it could it could take up to fourteen days to travel through and then plant itself in your nasal passages, or in, in your lungs and in your throat. So. What the Freedom device can do, it can detect the presence when it's in your body, whereas a PCR test can only detect COVID when it's already infected us. So here's kind of a way to a shortcut to, to finding out whether you have it or not. And they're saying they're saying as well that this device, a little bit bulky, they're saying it's going to shrink down to the size of like of an e-cigarette, so really small, like a little mini breathalyzer, personal breathalyzer. And you'll be able to sort of put in your bag, in your glove box, and just give yourself a quick test. Say you're going to you pop in to see your grandparents, you can give yourself a quick COVID test and think, oh, I'm good, I'm going to go see them. I think that this, this is the situation we're in. And it says, too, that the product works, will work with, it'll detect all variants of COVID, current and future variants of COVID, because it does have in common those little protein spikes. You know, whenever you see a picture, of a little rendering of COVID, the little spikes on the outside, that's what, that's how this product works. That's how it picks it up. So it does, it can detect the from the Viralwarn's biosensors, it'll detect the outer shell of the COVID particle when they drift through their filters. So that causes these polarized signatures that detect and that detected when they're detected and they then, the biosensors then give the signal whether it's a COVID, flu, or, or if you're fine. So really interesting how COVID has sort of taken up residence as another subject to another, another product category, if you like, at, at, uh, at uh, the Consumer Electronics Show. But uh, look, we've we've not only written about all those products, but we've also uh, shot videos as well. So we encourage you to check them out. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, if you're an online gamer, you want the best performance while still helping to maintain your computer's security. And that's exactly what Norton 360 for Gamers offers. The patented Game Optimizer technology can help maximize gaming performance while still helping to maintain the level of security you've come to expect from Norton LifeLock. Game Optimizer can free your PC from power-hungry programs running in the background that eat up your system's resources, helping you get more performance out of your rig. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or just a casual player, 
Norton 360 for Gamers helps provide multiple layers of protection for your devices, game accounts, and digital assets. Norton 360 for Gamers also includes features that help protect against cyber threats, including malware and webcam takeovers. If you want to help ensure all the available computing power of your system is allocated to the game for maximum performance, while still helping to maintain maximum protection, then put Norton 360 for Gamers on your team. Listeners of the Tech Guide podcast will receive a 50% discount to a year's subscription of Norton 360 for Gamers by using the promo code TECHGUIDE when they visit au.norton.com forward slash techguide. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Well, this is kind of a, rev- of a review because I actually did like a hands-on, eyes-on look at the TCL Nextwear Air wearable display. Now, this is something that was announced by TCL at CES as obviously the update to the previous Nextwear, which we spoke about months ago and, and reviewed on Tech Guide. But this has improved clarity. So it's got improved micro LED displays on board. So you're getting really sharp picture. Uh, it is it is a little bit lighter, has interchangeable lenses on the front so that you can maybe make it look like a pair of Wayfarers or you might want a different style. So they just magnetically attach. So it just changes the look, doesn't change the function of of the of the glasses. So we we rocked up to the TCL stand and thought, you know, we're gonna do a little video, we're gonna try them out. And to our surprise, there was a little feature that wasn't announced by TCL. This was kind of a little little fact they kept up their sleeve. The TCL Nextwear Air wearable display is capable of playing 3D content from your smartphone. That was a real shock. I think when we were at the counter, we had a look at the, the they gave us the glasses to wear, and the woman was saying, "Oh, here we'll try this." And he goes, "Oh, let, let's show you some 3D." I said, "Say what?" I said, "What now? 3D? Since when?" Yes, yeah, it can play 3D, and it played it brilliantly. I've got to say, normal content looked fantastic, so really sharp. And what what the Nextwear does is is provide it simulates looking at a 140 inch TV or screen from four meters away. So it's your own personal wearable cinema you can take anywhere. But then she popped on the 3D. I'm thinking, holy hell, this is incredible. The quality, I was surprised at the quality. I thought 3D, it's going to be rubbish. But I've got to say, it was as sharp as the 2D content and uh, and looked amazing. So, uh, boom, surprise, surprise, surprise from TCL with the Nextwear Air. Um, the, the device still has the USB-C cable. I know a lot of people complained about that with the initial edition. But you know what? I'm, I think that's the right way to go for a couple of reasons. Number one, the USB-C cable draws its power from the device it's connected to. So that means no need for a rechargeable battery and no need to remember to charge the rechargeable battery. That's number one. Number two, if it didn't have a cable, it would require a radio, a wireless radio to or Bluetooth to connect to your device. Now, having a radio and then a rechargeable battery is going to make this thing massive. So it's going to add to the bulk of the of the product. Now, at the moment, as it stands, it's only 75 grams. That's how light it is. So imagine having this big heavy thing on your head because it's got a battery in there. It's got the radios in there. And 
having the cable has really eliminated all of those issues. So I think good move by TCL to keep the cable there. Now, another use for this, people think that you, when, when you think about this, it is it is basically and essentially an entertainment product. So you can watch your shows and, and be entertained. And wherever you go, wherever you look, the screen follows. So if you're laying down, sitting down, lying down in a plane, wherever you happen to be, in a hammock or whatever, where you look is where the screen is. So there is another application to this as a as a monitor, a private monitor for your computer. So imagine you you connect this to your computer. You still get your keyboard, still get your mouse, but what the the monitor is in the glasses. So you can see if you might have to be you might have to do some work on the go rather than having a full size monitor. You pull out the glasses. You've got this massive screen to do whatever you need. The other benefit of that is that if there's any sensitive information you might be looking at, then no one else can see it but you. Because there are, you know, I've been on many flights where there's there's a guy next to me doing a doing a presentation, working on all this proprietary information, and I'm just looking sideways at his screen and, and I'm seeing everything. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it wasn't a top secret thing that he was talking about, but there are some cases where there are you may not be able to have this on display in public. Someone might see it. So again, another reason for the next wear air glasses. I can't wait for these to come out. No word on pricing yet, but I'd say the first generation was eight nine nine. So hopefully, if they can stay at that same price and you're getting an improved product, I reckon that's a pretty good result. If you want to check out our TCL Next Wear story and video, don't forget the video, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Okay, we're going to cover now some of the quirkier stuff we saw at CES. And the first one was a robot called Adam. And Adam was a coffee-making robot. And the question I asked, how good, how, how can, a ro- can a robot make a good coffee? And you know what? He did. This robot is from Rich Tech Robotics. So it basically has these two multi-jointed arms. So it's, 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 it's uh, boiling, heating up the milk, pouring the coffee. It's, it, it's like an octopus, all these things you could do at the same time. And what impressed me about this thing was the fact that all these little these little things that a barista does, like swirling the coffee, swirling the milk before pouring it, uh, dusting a cappuccino with with chocolate powder, it did all of those things as well. And and I, I liked how it was, and you can see this on the video when it had finished the coffee, it sort of turned around backwards and put it on the table behind it, like it didn't even need to look; it knew exactly where the table was. And then it wheels it out to me. You can see me in the video, and and the coffee was superb. I've got to say. Adam the robot makes a bloody good coffee. So that's from Rich Tech Robotics, one of the many quirky features. And when you think about this, people are saying, oh, it's going to put people out of work. Well, it's really not because if imagine these sort of menial tasks are taken away from people so those people could do other things or concentrate on customer service and improve the experience for the customer. Uh, this also, this programmable base, as it's called, is also, apart from it being made, able to make coffee, it also could be a, a, a bartender. So it could serve, mix and serve cocktails. Now imagine having this in your bar or in your cafe. It'd be an attraction to customers to watch it. It was on the booth. You see this in our video. There were a lot of people standing around looking at this thing making coffee. It was, uh, it was really impressive. Uh, another little quirky little device we found was a, pro- a product called Archellus. Now, 
I don't know whether what what work you do, but think about the people who are employed in jobs that requires them to stand for long periods of time. You might be a security guard, a nurse, a doctor. Uh, you might be a paramedic or so, someone else who spends a lot of a retail worker. So you're spending a lot of time on your feet. What the arch Ellis is is this little eco-skeleton for each leg, easy to strap in, no power or battery or anything required. And basically there's a couple of modes. The normal freestyle mode is you walk around as normal. You got you might you got these sort of these things on your legs that articulate at the knee and let you walk along as you normally would. But if you adjust again at the knee, it allows you to sit while standing. So it takes the weight off your feet so you can kind of sort of sit into, lean into the the archellus. And it redistributes your weight, and so you you don't have to have to support the weight of your own body for long periods of time. So you may it might it might look like you're standing up, but you're actually sitting down while standing, thanks to this exoskeleton. Uh, exoskeleton. So what the this is a company from Japan, and, and the first models they offered were I, th- I don't know whether I think Archelis might make some sort of like medical technology, medical devices, but the first uh, models of Archelis, they just they offered the first ones to surgeons, who who have they have to spend long hours in the operating theatres, and I'm thinking if, if they can distribute their their body weight and take the strain, they're less fatigued. So I think the last person you'd like to be fatigued is a surgeon, especially if you're on their operating table. You don't want the, he or she to make any mistakes. So uh, they're, that, that, that's primary what they what they were going for here is for surgeons to be able to sort of sit, well, still be up at the same roughly the same height, but to be it's like they're sitting while they're standing. It's remarkable. Again, another video for you to watch there, the Arch Ellis. Um, the other the other product was a smart helmet. I know a lot of uh, a lot of motorcyclists out there who obviously have to wear a helmet while they're riding. Well, what about wearing a smart helmet? Now, in this case, the smart helmet, the Tally smart helmet, has these lights built in, and the helmet pairs up so it connects to the bike itself. So when you're riding and you indicate, the lights on one side of the helmet will blink in, in conjunction with your indicator. If you apply the brakes, the back, the back of the helmet will light up red to tell people behind you that you're stopping. It can also just be there to increase your visibility. So you can have these bright green lights, red lights, whatever you want to have on there. It just makes you more visible. But not only that, it's a smart helmet, remember, so it connects wirelessly via Bluetooth to your phone. So you can have voice control over your calls and your navigation, and you can hear everything through the helmet's built-in speakers as well. Uh, there's also an eye emergency alert too. So if you have an accident or come off the bike, you uh, it'll call an ambulance to your location as well. Hopefully you'll never need to use that feature, but good to know that it's there. Comes with a wireless charging base as well, so you know uh, if it's you can you know that it will be it will always be fully powered when when you hit the road. Now, if you want to read about those products, stories on Tech Guide, but there's also videos. Please please watch our videos; they're pretty cool. Okay, more quirky products to talk about, and the next one is. A product called A Nene, and this is another French product. It's a baby sleep trainer. 
So any new parents listening to this, you're probably going to think, Here, just shut up and take my money. The A Nene, it looks like a little bedside lamp. So there's a light. And it can be you can have it so that it reflects the time of day. So if it's like if you want your baby to wake up gently, it'll be like a sunrise. Or if you want to, if it's sort of late afternoon or evening, it it can reflect the sunset. It also has a white noise generator, so it creates this little sound to help them get to sleep. But the killer feature here, the killer app on this thing, is a cry detector. So your baby wakes up crying. A nene which has like hundreds of thousands of data points and, and research and a lot of people uh, were sort of contributing to the sort of the beta versions. It's, it's taken all this research and data and it's come up with a cry detector that can tell with more than 80% accurate how your baby is feeling by their cry. So if they, if they, they can tell if the baby's angry, hungry, bored, restless, it reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons where Homer's brother, who was bankrupt because Homer designed a, let him, he his brother let him design a car and that sent him bankrupt. He got he got sacked and was penniless. But then his idea that got him back to being rich again was a baby translator. It reminds me of that. And the voice of Homer's brother Howard, I think his name was, was Danny DeVito. Simpson fans, I think you know what I'm talking about. So imagine this: you can tell how your baby's feeling. And that, that helps new parents. New parents struggle with this sometimes. Uh, you don't know what's wrong with your baby. It could be, uh, they could be angry, hungry. I don't know. But A&NA knows. That's uh, a cracker that's hopefully coming to Australia soon. The other product, another quirky one we saw was a product called Video Window. Now, imagine a pane of glass that is clear when you want it to be clear, but at the press of a button, turns into a display. And we're talking for, say, public places uh, like hospitals, airports, schools, where information needs to be displayed clearly, then you can have it window one second and a display the next. And it uses sunlight as the backlight of the TV. Now, initially, what we saw at CES was mono. But I asked the question, how soon before a color version of this would be available? And would it be, would it be feasible to have a window slash TV in your house in the near future. So imagine you've got this nice nice big window, but when it's time to watch TV, it turns into your TV. Now, the way it works now, at, at night time you're going to have a problem because you need a backlight. It does The backlight is the sun normally. So I don't know whether there's be like a little, a little backlight slides in or whether that could be incorporated into the glass. I think it's a terrific idea, but it's available now in mono versions. So you've seen it's also modular. So I've seen them create different, uh, stitch a lot of panels together. And I think in the Swedish airport, I think they use it as well. But it's already in use in some areas. But yeah, stay tuned. In a few years, it might be your your wig window. It might be your TV as well. Uh, the The other product we saw, if you're a chess fan, a product called Chess Up. Now, this is a Kickstarter thing. You might have heard about it already. We saw it. And it's like a smart chess set, and it is really well designed because it all the pieces are nicely weighted, so it knows when there's a piece resting on the, on the board, and when you just touch the piece, it'll give you all the all the squares near it will light up to sort of show suggested moves, uh, to show if you're in danger. So it gives you whether you're just a, a beginner, it'll teach you chess and teach you how to play properly, but 
you it can all you might even be able to use it to play against a much better player. So you they might have the their help features turned off, but yours are turned on. So it's like like it's like golf handicapping. You know, I can compete against Tiger Woods because I got a handicap. So in chess, you might take on a, a, a chess master, and and you could you be a grandmaster, oppose a grandmaster, and you might still be competitive because you've got all these little clues that the grandmaster probably has all of them in his head anyway, but or her head. So um, it's it's uh, a way for you to not only learn chess but to get better at chess. Chess up video window a nene. All those videos are up by the way at on our on our YouTube channel. So uh, be sure to get over there and have a look. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by a good mate at Belkin. Belkin have cables. They have power banks. They've, they've now got wireless earphones. Check them out, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, one particular question I've had a few times over summer is the question of what mobile dongle do I use? A lot of people who are maybe caravanners or campers, they want to still be connected, but they want a device to help them connect to the internet. And obviously, this is like a mobile hotspot, I think, is what they're referring to. Now, you know what? Those, those are pretty good. But I often tell people the plans that are available now for your phone have so much data, it's ridiculous. So I suggest that if you are in this situation where you may be away, you're camping, you can use, and this. If I suggest a mobile dongle, you're still going to need the cellular network for this to work. What I suggest is take a look at your phone plan and maybe up the, the data on your plan so that you've got this buffer, you've got this extra data to use. So you turn your phone into a little hotspot so it could stream your laptop, your TV, whatever you want. And there's no need to buy a dongle and there's no need to pay a separate fee per month for more data. Have it all on your phone. Now, there are there are some advantages or disadvantages. The disadvantage of doing that is that you might be running your battery down on your phone. That might be one of the problems. But And having a dongle, a dedicated dongle with its own battery can link up to 10 devices. That's, that's fine. But if it's just you and your partner or a couple of people, your phone might do the trick. I reckon... Look at the, your plan first before you step out and buy a dongle. Don't forget the dongle itself costs money, but then you're going to have to put a SIM card in it, which also going to cost you more money per month. So why not stock up on your own phone plan, get the extra data so you can uh, use your phone as a hotspot?
And that there is our show for this week, coming to you from LA. We're in LA now. We were in the in Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show. Everything that we've spoken about on the show is not only on Tech Guide, it's also on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. So get out there, get amongst it, have a look at what we've been doing at CES. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, of course, email us at info at techguide.com.au. Uh, and you can also hit the Ask Stephen icon on the homepage. And I'm normally pretty good at getting back to you pretty quick if you've got an, if you've got an inquiry. And you may end up on the Tech Guide help desk as well. We also want to thank our great sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe on online. Please support the companies that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 